As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, happy July 1st. We're not doing this on July 1st. What's up? <laughs> You're back. I'm how, back. How was your trip? Awesome. It was weird to experience July 1st, though, like from six hours ahead. I like, was I was going to say, you picked a really convenient time to go away for two weeks. <laughs> I had a wedding, unfortunately, right? Not unfortunately, it was awesome. Nothing happened at all. You didn't miss no. anything. No, it's not like the biggest free agent signing ever in Toronto history happened. I was at home holding a newborn and like getting four hours sleep at night, <laughs> being like, oh, it's a good thing Jonas isn't here. <laughs> to be fair, we do have like 50 writers who wrote something about Tavares. You know I think what? we had plenty of Tavares. I was really happy with the stuff we got. Um, it's funny, you know, I was really happy with the story I got about how the Leafs were going to sign Derek Ryan if they didn't get Tavares, except that it was completely irrelevant by the next day. Like, I thought, I got that that scoop when I put it up on Saturday. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. That like, this is going to look really good when they sign Derek Ryan. Mm-hmm. Because everyone had said he had already agreed to terms with, or a lot of people were saying he had already agreed to terms with Calgary, which I was told wasn't true. Um... And then at late at night on Saturday night, um, I think Frank Valley reported Derek Ryan has agreed to terms with Calgary or whatever. And like it was like ten eleven at night, and I was like, "Huh?" I I was like, "I think that means that t- they got the Leafs got Tavares." Be- Why? What do you think? The like? Do you think there was like some sort of yes. back? Yes. Like we will tell you if we have him, and then your guy can go. I know that that's what happened. Is that <clears throat> they said to Derek Ryan, "Don't make a final de- <clears throat> decision until we know what's happening with Tavares, because if we don't get him, we want you." And Babcock had talked to him, and like there was, they had made like a really hard push on him. Babcock, uh, 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 Derek Ryan is from Spokane, where Babcock coached, and I don't. know, There's some like connections there and whatever, and mm. but I think the Leafs would have offered him more than what he got in Calgary. But it, it, so it, that that story was up on the site when they signed Tavares, and people started going in the comments and saying, 
nope no, <laughs> or whatever well so my so i put together a list of guys that they could go after who weren't as well known and he was going to be on my list and then i think what happened is either i forgot to put him on the list or i kind of excluded him because i thought the only way you're signing him is if he's your third line center and if he's your third line center i i didn't think that that was good enough like i don't think if he's your third line center i know you need to get someone but if he's your third line center i don't think you're good enough i wonder if what they would have done is yeah no you're you know what i mean like right like i'm not but they didn't have a lot of options right? you had no options like there was the only other option that i saw and you know the idea was he was going to go back to san jose was joe thornton but my my theory for him was they could have gone anywhere but they could have offered him it let's say you don't get to varus you could have offered him thornton didn't even like talk to anybody or anything that's interesting like why one year are you willing to consider Something I guess maybe what he's I heard a year. is that he didn't like with that process last year. Like he went through it last year, and he's like, "No, <laughs> I can understand. Not that. doing that again." Huh. Um, but yeah, so that's what was going to happen. They the Leafs had all these contingency plans, and they were looking at Calvin DeHaan. Like, I wonder if they would have signed Ryan and then used the other cap space. It's interesting to think if the I've thought about this a lot since then, and I haven't written or talked about it at all. Like, if they didn't get John Tavares. Where would this roster be? Like, like you wrote about their cap space. Where do you use the cap space? Right. Like you don't just want to just like throw money out there. Maybe like on one year deals, you, that's okay. But you don't want to give. You saw some of the contracts handed out. You don't want to be giving out long term contracts just because you have cap space today, right? They were looking at like I wonder if they would have went like Derek Ryan, signed Calvin DeHaan, and then he got more D, and then and then they were looking at Patrick Maroon, and I don't know what they would have done. I don't know what they would have done. I wonder if you get Derek Ryan and then. You play Nylander at third line center a little bit, and then Derek Ryan's your fourth line center, and you move Nylander around, and I don't know. In short, it was very good for them that they got John Tavares. Yeah. Like it, it's it's not. I don't think we can. Um, I don't know what the word is. I don't think we can be hyperbolic about like how significant it is. But when at what point in that day, July one, or even the lead up, did you start to think, okay, like this is legitimate? And then how did you kind of process that at that point? It was building through the week. It was building throughout the week. Um, the podcast we did before this one, I think we talked about the possibility, and I think I said I thought they had a ten percent chance or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it was a little higher. I think you had it a little higher. Oh, okay, ten to twenty, or well, yeah, I think it was higher than that. because in I can't remember when we did it and when. But what I heard was that the Leafs blew him, blew Tavares away in the interview process. That that CAA and Tavares were so impressed with what with the presentation that Kyle Dubas made. Dubas went right from the draft, um, which I wasn't at because of of the baby. Um, but he went right from the draft um, to LA to a hotel room to prepare. He spent like over a day just sitting there and like focusing on his preparation for what he was going to say to Tavares. And then they had their meeting, I think, the draft ended Saturday. I think their meeting was Monday. with, And they were first. They had to go very first. And apparently that got Tavares really, really seriously considering going. Mm-hmm. So the longer that the process went, and then the thing is that it sounded like the later meetings he had with teams like Boston and uh, I think Dallas, like that those were kind of just overkill. That hmm. that he what there wasn't I, I, he has. Do you think then there was some advantage to being first, or do you think the advantage was having somebody who's different, like Dubis? Like you talk to anybody who's met with Dubis or interviewed Dubis or anything like that, and he's they they're they're all like, well, he's really impressive, like he's really well spoken, he knows what he's talking about, he's confident, like he, you know what I mean? I don't think those two knew each other. 
I don't think Tavares and Dubas knew yeah. each other. And I why would they? Was, right? I don't think there was a connection. I don't. Sometimes there's overlap with like whatever and um, like Babcock knows Tavares because of X Y Z. It's so interesting that you know Dubas gets the job in early May, and then he's got to make this huge pitch to like one of the biggest UFAs ever in league history, and it sounds like he knocked it out of the park. And I I think. Um, I haven't I haven't covered Tavares a ton and I haven't written about it a ton and 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 whatever but apparently he's got like a very meticulous personality apparently he mm-hmm. came into this with like a big Chris Johnston from Sportsnet reported he came into this with like a big binder with a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of research he had done on all the teams and a player like that who kind of thinks about this decision on an on a next level kind of basis would mesh really well with Dubas who's also very meticulous and would have mm-hmm. lots of information and well, any question you had an answer, or anything you had a question to, he would have an answer. I I bet that they talked about cap projections like two, three, four years down the road. Uh, Dubas has said that they essentially told Tavares not only who he'd be playing with, but that he would be playing with them for quite a long time. And he told them, "Look, we're not going to be trading people away to get you the way that a team like Tampa would have to do. We're going to be able to fit all this in, and here's how we're going to do it." And it, it would have been great. I talked to someone after, and I said, I wish I was in, in the room for that meeting, because it would have been so interesting to see Kyle Dubas chart the course for where the Leafs are going to go the next three or four years, and what about that impressed Tavares. Mm-hmm. I think that people have have joked about this. I think what Tavares really liked is that the Leafs had such a good plan, that they were so, I keep saying meticulous, they were, they were so, it was so well thought out, and compared to where he was coming from, and what was happening there, and they're kind of like our hair's on fire year after year trying to plan our roster. And then like two months before he comes up for free agency, they change their coach, they change their GM. Hey, we're changing. We're good. The ownership has changed. And, you know, Tavares did that letter in the Players' Tribune yesterday. And, uh, you know, there was no mention of Lou. There was no mention of the new owner. There was, it was all how much he respected Garth and and Doug Waite and, and those. So I wonder if part of what, hurt the Islanders is that everything had changed like he you know everyone talks about John Tavares being super super loyal and I think he is and I think it really broke his heart to have to make that decision but it was the right decision for him I mean it was it was absolutely even if you take out the coming home part out of it it was the right decision well it's the right it depends on what you want like if you just want to stay in the same place and have the same kind of stuff some people like don't like change but if you're trying to win yeah but not even just try and win like look at the turmoil with the Islanders like look like but then why but then like you can't be considering it like you can't go through nine years of that stuff and still be like apparently that didn't matter to some degree no like otherwise why would you be considering going back in the end it mattered in the end in the end it was like there's this like young bright GM showing me like the path to us winning multiple cups or like whatever Dubas said to him yeah and then he looks at where he was and where he's been for nine years and all the stuff that's happened and they're not going to have the arena built until whenever and they're going to be playing in two different buildings and I think it was the fact that it was still really hard speaks to how loyal he was to the Islanders because it shouldn't have been hard like if it was like you or me if it was like some objective person we'd be like peace out bye Lou (laughs) you know actually it's funny like you mentioned that because I was thinking yesterday um, what the difference would have been like had Lou still been the GM and obviously Lou did talk to Deveris as the Islanders GM. Like, how Even different... before he was the Islanders GM. Which apparently is allowed. Which is driving people <laughs> crazy around the league. Because 
why wouldn't it? It's insane. Anyway, that's a different conversation. But, like, how different do you think the conversation would have been if it had been Lou, Babcock, and Shanahan instead of Tubas, Babcock, and Shanahan? Like, I was just thinking, like, the the pitch would have been different. The plans would have been different. The level of detail would have been different. And yet, like, the it was apparent, or the reports were, that after the meeting with Lamorello, it looked like he was going to stay. So, like, I don't know. I, I just started thinking like that. What do you think would have been different? I think it would have been more traditional. It probably would have been closer aligned with what some of the other presentations were. Right. It would have been closer to what Boston or Dallas or some of these other teams would have said to Tavares. And maybe it would have blended in more with those. Hmm. I, I mean, we're kind of guessing. I mean, all I'm going off is that they were really impressed by what Dubas said. And then kind of like some of the things that, that Dubas has said in, after that about what they wanted to show him. The interesting thing that I thought was that both both Shanahan and Dubas have said that they made the presentation to Tavares. It was about hockey. It was it was which is a big contrast to the last big one they did, right? Right. The Stamkos one was about your face will be on the side of Canadian Tire or whatever the hell it was. It was it was something that and Stamkos was like seemed very corporate. Stamkos was like, "Bye, Mike. <laughs> I'm going back to the beach." <laughs> well, and that's like that's an understanding of who the person is and maybe of where you fucked up before you know what i mean like i think who the person is is yeah like they didn't apparently they really you weren't there at the press conference i don't know if you watched the videos and stuff apparently they really didn't push you're coming back to where you can wear your all the islanders people are calling him pajama boy now because he put that bite i feel i feel bad for Tavares. like the amount that game back in in brooklyn that when the leafs first go there is going to be a circus which is the, totally unfair the fans are just losing their mind i i don't think i have seen a fan base this upset about a player leaving ever uh, I, I, you haven't follow like, basketball been, and well, no, 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 okay in hockey since i've been covering the league i don't think i've seen a fan base lose their mind over a player leaving it's okay well like, do you remember what happened here with sundin Yes, it is. And it like, was totally unfair, and it's the yes, same sort of thing. It's like that, but Sundin also, they wanted to trade him at the deadline, right? And so he was castigated for not right. And then eventually he did go, trade. so. Yeah. It, I, I, we can get into that. We can get into that And the now. thing, too, is that Sundin now is beloved by the franchise and is re- retired and all those things. I don't think that's going to happen with Tavares. Yes, it has to. That's They're going to retire his jersey? I don't know if they'll retire his jersey. Just because they didn't I think a lot win. of a lot of fans will never get over. I feel bad for Tavares. That's so they, unfair. I feel so, I don't know why people can't separate their feelings. A lot of a people bit. are criticizing Tavares saying he should have allowed them to trade him, he should have told them earlier. Which he didn't if he doesn't know, why would he do that? The the thing is is that there's no probably no Islanders fans listening, so like I don't know who we're arguing this to. I've been meaning to write a column, like it is on the Islanders to make Tavares make a decision. It is on the Islanders to say, we need to get something for you if you're gonna if you have doubts and if you If you're not sure, then we're trading you. If we're if you're I thought I thought Lou was gonna at least get like a pick or something for him and then and then the team that signed him would give an eight year deal. Like to not do that is makes no sense at all. And apparently the rumor is that the Islanders ownership is the reason that they were like, We're not trading him. Like so it's it's like I don't know that the Malkin, the owner there at all, but I just don't know how you can. I'm like, I was equating it to when Chris Bosch left the Raptors. I didn't. I wasn't angry at him at all. 
I was just like, I can understand it. The team sucks. You want to go win? Go win. Like that. That's fine. I just don't know why you would get mad at a guy for who for nine years stayed, played at a bargain contract, played well. Team sucked. Team was never very good, which is not his fault. And now you're going to blame him for wanting to leave? Like that to me, just that doesn't. They're, justify any logic or anything they're not just mad they're like they were burning his jersey and like That's, this i had to block a bunch of islanders fans like this stuff and i'm still getting stuff from islanders fans like that are why like, would he stay I, anyway they like, just they're just saying like oh he said in january that i want to stay and but maybe in january he was thinking like i do want to stay well, that's what everyone said is that he and then you meet with other teams and you're like man what i got back here isn't that good like that house over there is a lot nicer why would the I Islanders go? misplayed the whole thing like they well Chris our buddy Chris Johnson I thought he had a really good point in his story where he pointed out that they wait like why didn't why wasn't there urgency going into last season to fix to try to improve the team to the point where maybe Tavares could look around and be like you know there's something happening here maybe I want to stay they didn't do anything and then when they did stuff, it was like they brought in a 76-year-old GM. It was all who, very last second. Right. And the roster was a mess. I think one of the things, the one of the rumors is that Tavares didn't like is they didn't have a goalie. They and, haven't had a goalie. Right. And last year, their goaltending was a disaster. They don't have a very good defense. They don't have, like, there's just not a lot there. If you want to win. Like, if you want to stay in, and they, the arena's a mess, like, I don't know. There were a lot of, like I said, if an objective person, if you came out of the sky and were like, pick between these hockey teams, nobody would pick the Islanders. Nobody would pick them. They would be last on all those teams. Yeah. They would be dead last. Because those were all, like, pretty interesting teams. Even Dallas. I mean, there's good players. Anyway. You know, you know what it's a little similar I to? I feel sorry for Islanders fans. I really do. Like, it's not their fault. No, but, like... And I get people are emotional and it sucks when your team isn't good and now your best player just leaves. I, I'm legit worried. Like if this was if it was the first game of the season that the Leafs were playing in in Brooklyn, I would be worried about his safety. That's how bad the stuff I see on Twitter is. Yeah, but that's Twitter. Like that's not that's not real. But the the, the one thing I was going to say is it reminds me a little bit of when LeBron left Cleveland initially. Now Tavares isn't LeBron. But obviously, in terms of like importance to their franchise, he was similar, and people were really mad at LeBron yeah. at that point because he went on TV and, right. and said he the was decision. Gonna, yes, the, did the decision that I can understand you being upset. He that also a bit douchey. Right? It was, and he yeah. recognized that obviously after the fact. But like Tavares didn't do anything wrong. Like he played there for nine years. They went to the playoffs three times. They had. They didn't ever had that many good players around him. Like who would you, who was the second best player they had? Kyle Barzell. Matt well, and right, and he just comes home now. Anyway, I didn't read. So I didn't read the players' Tribune thing. I don't read those players' Tribune things. I got. I don't. There's something about those I don't. Well, like. it's 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 not good for us for the industry. It's not good for the media. If it's the not athletes real, if the athletes want to sanitize thing. the thing is with this one is that there wasn't really anything to make up about it. Like it was. I think what it was was Tavares saw the backlash. I'm sure he felt terrible. I think he felt terrible about having about leaving, about making that decision, um, which he shouldn't have to. But whatever. I think that that's I think that's who he is. Like my understanding of his personality is like he's he's a, he's a good person. Like he he just there were a lot of people he feels like he disappointed that he didn't want to, but he made the right decision like for his life and and he talked about in the piece. The piece is good. You should read it because like he talked about. My career is short. I only get to do this once. 
this is a chance to you know play with a really good team and and he talks about his love for the Leafs and the thing with the Players Tribune is that like there's there's definitely some roots grains of truth in there. Yes, it's, you know what it's like. It's like those like Hollywood biography movies of like someone's life where they like they all follow like a, like if you watch like the movie about Ray Charles or I don't know if you can think of one like it's those biopics. It's like it's like a biopic. It's it's like a lifetime movie. Like the the Tyler Bozak, he had a Players Tribune letter to Leafs fans or whatever. And I just like, like I've some read, of the stuff in there wasn't. It's not real. I've read about like how that process works, and it's like basically the guy just talks to someone like you or I. And then you or I just write a story where there's no, like, critical questions. It's just, like, you just make oh, yeah. them sound real. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Players Tribune, they can... People want to read it, awesome. Read everything you can. I think people should read it, but read it with a skepticism in that this is... It's like having a screenwriter yes. talk to... it's designed to, to make you look really good. Yes. Yes. A lot of media is like that, though. Sure. Just not The Athletic. Subscribe, <laughs> subscribe today. All right, let's... So there's a few... Um, things we should talk about. Where do you want to start? So I, I wanted to talk about the impact on their lineup, the impact on the cap. Uh, which of those do you want to start with? Cap. Let's okay. talk about the cap. Yeah, because you've written about the cap. I love um, the cap stuff. So initially, I think your first story, I guess your second story after everything broke, was <clears throat> trying to make people understand that just because they signed Tavares for 11 per... That this wasn't going to mean that they were going to trade William Neander or someone to... Because that's all anyone would talk about. Okay, so explain why. Beyond the obvious that why would you trade... <laughs> anyway. The the biggest reason is that the Leafs don't have any bad contracts. I mean, we can... The Zaitsev well, one's yeah, kind of bad. But it's not like a total... The cap's going to keep going up. They're going to keep spending right to the limit. Um... I personally believe, and this is going to be a debate for a later day, that Nylander and Marner are going to get less than people think. Um, you know, some of my cap projections, people like, I had Islanders fans calling me an idiot and whatever for, for saying that Nylander's only going to get six and a half, six, six and a half. And I, 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 I think they're going to get less than people think. Um, there's no need to trade them. They don't have to trade them. Like, the idea that they can't fit all these players in is, it's a fantasy. I'm... I think what people see is that the Leafs need to get a better defenseman, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that necess- I think that what they can do is trade different pieces than than the big four. Well, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking like maybe down the road, like it means trading Kadri, and maybe Neilander's a center. Like it, there's. I just don't think it means you trade your youngest, most valuable pieces well, because you, why do you do that? If you're two or three years down the road and it's not working, then you can, right. you know, then maybe you trade a Nealander. But, like, we well, shouldn't be talking, other, talking about right now makes no sense. Well, because, like, the, the roster's going to be different. Like, one of those prospects that the, somebody they drafted Dermot last month. Derm, Dermot could emerge as a first-pair guy. Right. He, he could just, em- yeah. Timothy Logan, like, maybe he becomes right. that guy that they've been looking for. Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. Very good. Sandine or Sandin? Sandine. The Swedes are all Dean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... But what it does next year is it's going to make the puzzle a little tougher. Not this coming year, but a year from now. When Matthews kicks in. When Neander's already kicked in. When Marner kicks in. I mean, it makes it tougher, but... 
Does it make it tougher than having Derek Ryan on a contract that's like 3.8 or something in there? No, like you do this 5,000 times out of 5,000 like you do it every time and you just figure it out. But maybe it means your roster looks a little different. Like maybe you can't do something that you... I personally think they have to get aggressive next summer with either moving Marlowe or Zaitsev. I think if you move one of those contracts... And they need to really think about what they're going to do with Jake Gardner too. It'll be interesting to see what they do if... They have to decide if they want to pay Jake Gardner six something, six point something million. Well, it's interesting. I think I'm pretty sure you reported this. Hopefully, I'm not. That Kyle Dubas did meet with Brisson, Brisson to talk about Gardner's, which I guess if to talk about a potential extension for Gardner. Now, I would imagine if you're you're Dubas, you kind of just want to see what parameters Brisson Gardner are thinking, right? Like to get a ballpark of like what you might be working with, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you want to know if they're asking, are they asking for $6 million a year on a long-term deal? Are they willing to do a short-term deal? Do they want seven? Do they want seven and a half? Do they want... You need to know that number. And you need to know... You need to decide, do we want to do this? I, I think it's, a, it's going to be a really good question when it does happen. Well, and they or, need to know that now because he has trade value right now with a year left on his deal. If you wait it out, you, like they don't want to let him walk for nothing. I don't agree with that. I do. You're a cup. You're like you're a cup team. Unless you're unless you're getting a right shooting defenseman. If you in your subtract top Gardner for nothing next summer, what are you going to do with the no. D? Yeah, but you're trying to win a cup this year. Yeah. So if you're let's say you're minusing Gardner. No, no. Well, obviously, if you tra- what I'm saying is he has value though. So if you're trading him, you're getting equal value in a trade. Let's just like that's the baseline assumption is that if you trade Gardner, you're getting equal value. I don't how. Who who are you trading Jake Gardner to that's going to give you the right shot defenseman that you need back? Well, I think you go around the entire league and you try and make that deal. What team is trading for an expiring contract that's going to give well, you their right sign, shooting? They're going to sign him. Yeah, but why would they if if concede? Not every team is short on right shot D. Some teams have more top four right shot D. Well, I think that that's it. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to, like, to wait till the end of next year and let Gardner walk for nothing. Yeah, it does. When you're trying to win a cup, it does. For no, sure, I, well, it does. I think you've got to make the decision on what you're doing with your assets. Like, okay, so like, think of him in terms of value. Trade value now, he has a lot of value. He has. You could trade him for a very good player right now if you did it right now. If you want to trade him at what player? Like, like what? Like, you don't need a center. So what well, you don't need know is, exactly what. Other... But I'm saying, like, if you're trading him right now, you're trying to improve your team, right? Carolina has extra right shot D. Okay, so trade for so that makes some sense. But do they do they want to trade for an expiring Gardner? I guess if they know that they can sign him, right? That would definitely become that makes part some of sense. Yeah, I just don't think it's as straightforward when you're trying to win a cup. It's it's hard. It's hard. But if you're getting a player of equal value and you're not taking a step back, Tampa Bay was trying to win a cup last year. They traded Duran. Does that mean they're not trying to win the cup? No, that's not the same thing. That's not it's the not same that much. Thing. What's different? It's a young player who is under control, and they traded him for a, a prospect who made their team who was very good. But they didn't know he was going to make the team. They right. had no idea. So they, they. But that's there's some some truth to what you're saying, where good teams anticipate things yeah. happening as opposed to waiting. But I think it's more complicated when it's someone like him who's like a 27 year old going into UFA. You're trying to win a cup. 
I don't think it's as clear cut as. But if you're trading him for the equal value, your team's not getting worse going into a year when you're trying to make the cup. I just don't know where you're finding that equal value. Well, I that's think what that's, you have to I think it's really hard. That's what you have to try and do. Sure. You have well, to, and then you have, you have to decide: to be, Do I want to extend him, or can I, can I trade him for equal value? Well, and then you have to be convinced that that Dermot can move up, and that Borgman or Rosen, Rosen, whoever can move in, and your your D is good. I think so. I think they think so too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about. Anyway, but these are all like the implications. Why of, were they looking at signing Calvin DeHaan if they were keeping everybody? He's another left shot D. I don't think he plays the right side. Well, if, then you're trading Gardner, probably. They were looking at him. Well, you give DeHaan yourself options, agents, right? They were talking about. So, I think one thing disclaimer I think is required on July first is that the agents say everyone's talking to everybody. Yes, and so when you see reporter X saying so and so is interest from 19 teams, take it with a huge ass grain of salt. Because it's very good to, to imply that there's like a bidding more for a client. Anyway. But anyway, like the cap and this is what Tavares causes. It's good, but like it's just going to force you to ask some questions. I think if this management team was in place, they would have played it differently with JVR, Bozak, and Komarov. I think that potentially they would have traded them when they had a lot of value. And they would have got equal value back. And they would have. You. So I, I, I think there's, there's something fair, but I think you're. The idea of getting equal value back, I think, is a bit of a fantasy. No, I don't think so. I think you could find a team that, that... I mean, the team obviously has to know that they're... Like, you can extend guys now. Like, if they trade Gardner right now, the team that gets him can give him a new contract. Mm-hmm. That's what... that, But that happens. Yeah, but so, like... Okay, so let's use Bozek as an example. Let's say you Dubas was the general manager then, and they decided, we're going to try to get something for du- for Bozak. What are you getting? For Tyler Bozak at a trade deadline. Well, a really good team decided to pay him three years, five million. So, like, obviously he has some value. Okay, so not at the deadline. No, not at the deadline. Oh, so you're saying before going that. into the year. Before that, yeah. You have to. You have to make the decision before that. Then the time to do it is now. Yeah, or like before, or like before training camp starts, or. Well, so like an example. Do you know what? You, you know what makes sense. Well, so you know what makes some sense if like if you want to go down that road is. You mentioned Carolina, so maybe you trade him to Carolina for Justin Falk. I bet you Carolina would love Jake Gardner. You look at analytics and all. Yeah. You know. And like, okay, so that that is an equal value kind of move. Although that Carolina sound, signed Calvin DeHaan, so they do not need a left shot. Team. <laughs> there you go, another team off the, the other market. team that's interesting is that Minnesota was one. I was talking to Mike Russo, who's a beat writer and they for have Minnesota. Two IT. Yes, they and only one of whom I really like. They only have two, so like, if they trade a right D, they kind of get into a problem where it's like, well, we need a right D. What if you say, hey, you can have Zaitsev, too. You know, here, we got a right D for you. Or Hainsey. Here, Hainsey can play we'll right just, D. We'll just give him, hey, here yeah. you go. Oh, I, you need a right D. And then, then you get Spurgeon or Dumba back. And, yeah. But Minnesota, so Minnesota was in a position where they're looking at really changing up their roster. And they need some forwards. Maybe it's a maybe it's a little Zaitsev Kapanen. Get a, get a good right D back. Yeah. Hainsey Kapanen. I don't know. We like yeah, like When you're saying, like... I don't know what I, I don't talk to every single GM in the league, right. and they're not going to tell me this is what we would give up for Gardner. I think it is harder than you're making it out to be. I think it, if you're I wanting to imp- keep your roster good, to do that. But the problem is, is if you keep doing what they did with JVR Bozak and Komarov, and you Komarov, and you do it over and over and over again, you just you keep losing value, and it's hard to keep. Like if you think about your team, let's, let's think about your team like a hundred dollar bill. If you keep cutting change out of it, it's hard to 
keep replenishing that. But you have to be at a point where your roster is deep enough, not just like NHL-wise, that you can replace those guys, and they're not there yet. Do you agree with that? It makes it easier, though, if you can move pieces like, to decide if they're the future, and if they're not the future, then figure out what the future is. Okay, but, like, if you're deciding to trade Jake Gardner, and what you need back is a right-shooting defenseman who can play in your top value. That's really hard to do. Whatever it is. And I'm saying that's really hard. Say it's hard. a left winger. Say it's a okay. really good left winger that yeah. has equal value. You bring that in. Maybe you move out one of your other left wingers. I'm, but I'm saying that's really hard to find where that fits. But that's his job. Like, that's why you hire Kyle Dubas and replace Lou Lamorello, because... You want him to find ways to make the team better. You know what I mean? Like, to make the chess move before it's obvious. This podcast was supposed to be all about Tavares, so we're down, like, this huge <laughs> this huge yeah. rabbit hole. But basically, like, people think about the cap in very binary terms and that, oh, we added one good star player that makes a lot of money. We have to lose another good star play- player that makes a lot of money. It's like, that's not true at all. The Leafs have... I mean, next season, when their cap's really tight, Marlowe's making 625, mm-hmm. and is making... Four two five is that right? I think that's right. So that's ten and a half million dollars. It's a huge percentage of what the cap's going to be in twenty nineteen twenty, and I don't think either of those guys can measure up to how much cap space that actually is. Mm-hmm. So rather than trade a Nylander who's going to be making, I think around six, why not move one of those guys? It's going to open the open the same amount of room, and it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to you t- talk about equal value. It's going to take less value off your roster than than Nylander. You don't sacrifice your advantage. Like the reason, like you have this advantage, is because you have lots of good players. No, like Zaitsev, have four and a half, not four two five. Yeah, my mistake. So, the combination of Marlowe and Zaitsev is ten point seven five million dollars, and I don't think it's impossible that they could trade both. The those point guys. is, like, if you're if you're gonna try to make room, you don't make room by giving up your good young players. You make room by getting everything else out. It's funny. Like I was just reading, I would trade Anderson before I would trade Neilander. Oh, of course. Like if, if but other people listening to this will be like, no. Do you know what? Do you know what you should do? And this is a fun idea for you to do at some point. Uh, Bill Simmons, I don't know if he still does it, but he used to do this NBA trade value column where he basically would rank everyone in terms of like their trade value. It'd be fun to do it with the Leafs. Like obviously Marner or Matthews, Marner, Neilander would be one, two, three. But anyway, that, do you know what I'm trying to say? Basically, yes. their value, yes. no matter what, is just like yes, yeah. And there are going to be guys that have, like, negative value. Well, and it's, so I was reading some NBA stuff, and I guess the Houston Rockets had, or have, like, this philosophy where we're going to pay the shit out of our superstars, but we're not going to pay other guys a lot. And I would think it would be the same for the Leafs. You're happy paying Neilander, Marner, Matthews, your stars, what they're worth, but you're not going to overpay the guys who aren't stars, basically. So the debate that's happening... Um among us NHL cap nerds is is that the way the NHL is going to go is it going to be where do you just pay do you just pay like four guys 11 million dollars and then everybody else makes two or less Mm -hmm. is that the way to win in the NHL like the NHL is different than the NBA you need to have more players yeah like like your third line plays a lot of the game your third line plays like a quarter that's the big difference like in the NBA like your star players playing 35 to 40 of 48 minutes Whereas in the NHL, like, Austin Matthews is going to play 20. So I kind of think it's possible that where your money is best spent is at center and the whole roster. That's probably where you should spend your money. Um, And then we can probably debate what's next. The problem I have with spending money in goal is that what you're getting is so unpredictable year to year. Right, like you could pay Garrett Sparks 
nothing and maybe get the same performance as paying Frederick Anderson. Yeah, and the percentage chance that you're going to get the same performance is really high. Compared right. to with a, a forward, can you pay a forward 700K and can you pay Neil under 6 million and get the same performance? Almost no chance that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a goalie, it might happen. So what I wonder is, the Leafs are not talking about this, but I wonder if their hack for how they're going to win uh, and fit everything under the cap, maybe they don't spend a lot of defense. Maybe they try and just get defensemen that don't put up a lot of points that are just just move the puck really well. Well, you pointed this out in your uh, most, I think it was your most recent story. Um, Vegas, what did Vegas spend? 10 million? 10 and a half million, I think, on their top 60. Yeah. So maybe like, maybe the, the model has changed. Like there was this whole idea for so long, like you need this anchor number one defenseman. Maybe you just need six decent D. I don't know. Who right. can move the puck and who are mobile. And, and with Pittsburgh winning two of the last three cups, there's been a lot of talk about how you need three good lines. Washington, their third line was pretty good. So if you have if you you can run Matthews, Tavares, Kadri, you're gonna have three good lines, mm-hmm. regardless of the young guys you're moving around on the wings and whatever. Um, I don't. So teams have to decide what model they're gonna pursue. To me, it looks like the Leafs are going the model route of put a lot of money in our our centers uh, and our wingers too, obviously because Marner and Nylander are gonna get paid and kind of filling around those. And I mean, they're going to be able to look at the season and watch it play out. And if it's not working, they can they can change their mind. But trading Nylander now makes no sense. I mean, unless you're getting like Victor Hedman or something, like why would you do it? It's a, it's always interesting that that Nylander is always the one to be traded and not Marner. I don't know why that is. Anyway, it's just Marner is really 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 popular in the market. I think, and, and with the media too. Like he's, it seems like maybe even more than Matthews. It seems like with the media, like Matthews so? has had this like weird. Backlash. He's a little distant. He's a little, yeah, not happy. To there do was it. some stuff um, before the Tavares thing was signed in the media about uh, Matthews wouldn't be happy about Tavares coming. That is the stupidest like, pile of you know what. It's not true. Well, it's, but it's I it's know it's just, not true. To me, it's like a very basic misunderstanding of sports. Players want to win. Like, just put yourself in Matthews' shoes. Well, apparently Matthews was on the phone with Tavares a whole bunch because, of times. Because like he helps you win. Right. Like it's. That's stupid. People are like, well, what? Shouldn't get fired up. Does, who cares? D- d- yeah. Um, people are like, well, he wants to be the captain, so does he want another captain to come in? And Tavares has been the captain. Does he want to go? I still think Matthews is going to be the captain. I mean, I don't think it matters at all, but I don't think Tavares was thinking, oh, I'm not going to be the captain. I don't want to go there. I don't even think the players don't even really care about being captain as much as, like, it's not that big a deal anymore. It's a bit of a media obsession, I think. I think it's going to be again because I don't think we're going to have a captain this year. It would be interesting if they did do that. That would basically just tell you that they're just waiting for Matthews. Yeah, and I, I kind of think that's the way I you should. I think they go one more year. That's the way I think you should do it. Yeah. I think that's the way to play it. Um, let's talk about what's really important is like the effect on their lineup. Um, I spent some time kind of like thinking this over and wrote about it. It just gives them such a crazy advantage. I know it's like obvious to say like he makes them better, but it he makes them better in a way that I don't know, like when you really start to think about it, it just makes them impossible to match up with when you have the potential of three lines like that. Well, they're, they're good on the wing too. Like it's not like it's just center. Well, like I think 
the piece I one of the pieces I wrote was about how good Andreas Janssen is and like how big of a difference. I think Andreas Janssen can be like a twenty goal, forty point guy right away. Well, so that was the big difference when I was thinking about it. Like I think I initially had it, and I might have sent it to you that like now you have this Pittsburgh model. It's different and better than Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh had Malkin and Crosby who are better than Tavares and Matthews but they don't have Marner they don't have Neander they don't have Janssen like they Pittsburgh never had the talent surrounding those guys in the wing that the Leafs have right now and that's what makes it so interesting yeah, who's is the best winger that Crosby's ever played with? when they had Hosa that one year I guess yeah I guess and I'm did they play how much did and they Kessel play plays though with Malkin sometimes yeah and, that, and Kessel's like... But what a difference. So they, they started winning those cups when they got Kessel in there because then all of a sudden you've got more than just your centers are driving in, right? Yeah, but it's like Kessel is is the anchor on his own line, right? Kessel, Malk, and Crosby. Whereas here it's like you have Matthews, Kadri, Tavares, but Marner, then you have Marner, Neilander, and like you have all these guys you can scatter in places. And I just think the flexibility that they have now is like 10 times what it was before. And even guys like Hyman, Marlowe, Brown... Kapanen, like those are all top nine forwards. Right. So, like, there's not, there's not none of those guys I'm looking at and be like, no, he's slotted too high. Mm -hmm. I don't think. And you can play them in so many different spots. Like, like I know that Babcock said, like the idea is to play Marner with Tavares. Maybe it's not. Like, maybe what ends up happening is like Tavares. Like you were, you were pointing this out to me. Maybe Tavares can play with Brown and Hyman, and like maybe he just makes those guys better, and maybe that just. So what do you do with the Islanders? Right, and so like then that gives you a different advantage because now like you can play Hyman and Brown with Tavares, and that means you can play Marner with Kadri, and like that means you're 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 causing even more havoc for an opposing coach. Like what do you what do you do with that? How do you match that? So one of the questions I have is. To what degree does that make up for their blue line? Like to what? I mean, it's going to cover, I think, some of their warts because they should be able to play more in the offensive end, right? I was watching. They there was there's like a couple little clips of Matthews and Tavares on the ice together at like some hockey school thing. I don't know what it was. It's their first time on the ice together, and the clips are like Matthews like shooting top corner with his crazy shot, and then Tavares does the same thing from in close. And I was like, oh my god! Like like they're. They're, last year we wrote about their, their, how they were shooting a lot from the home plate area and how their high quality scoring chances were higher than every other team in the league. Mm-hmm. That's what Tavares is. Like Tavares is a high quality scoring chance generator. So you add that into the mix and they're just going to have board. Teams are going to be able to have an answer for one. Bad teams will have an answer for one of the Leafs lines. Uh, average teams will have an answer for two lines. And no team's going to have an answer for all three lines. Like, that's just not going to happen. That's maybe Pittsburgh. Maybe. But what we're seeing now with the cap is that teams are having a really hard time having more than two good lines or more than two good D pairs. And your third D pair and your third and fourth line are on the ice a lot. So what Babcock... And Babcock likes to do this. Attack those other... When those good players are on the ice, attack them. That's what they're going to do. Right. So when you're at home... You're just going to be able to punish teams. Like it means someone has to, some third pair has to face Tavares, or some third pair has to face Matthews. The way that he's built the lines, I think Tavares is going to get the hard matchups. Giving him Hyman and Mar- and Marner, who was on the tough match line with Kadri last year, that- I would still bet it. You think it won't be Kadri? Well, the only reason is that Kadri's going to be with two young players. Yeah, but two young players like who he could. I don't think you would be wary. I think wary. both of those lines are going to get matches, but I kind of wonder if Tavares gets the harder ones. 
Which is like the ripple effect, and I pointed this out when I wrote about it. Like the ripple effect then is that means Matthews yes. is going to be getting tons the, of offensive zone starts and easier matches. Lines, yeah. Which just means like, like you look at Barzell last year, and because Tavares is always getting the hard match, or like the, the opponent's top D or whatever, that means Barzell is just facing everybody else. And now it's like they're going to have that effect with Matthews, and then they've got Kadri, who scored 30 goals in two straight seasons. And we, we've seen what it looks like when Matthews and Nylander play against weaker lineups because they were in their rookie season they were doing that to an extent where they were getting sheltered a bit, and then Bozak and Kadri were taking the tougher matches, and yeah. they were just they were dominating teams. And that that's two years ago. Yeah, and now he's going to get better. Like that's the other thing. Like we we sometimes don't think about with Matthews. Like he's like just at the start. Like, it's the same thing to some degree with McDavid. Like, he's already awesome. He's so young. Like, he's there's probably still so much he can do. Um, Not only that, but Matthews was hurt and missed 20 games. Like, if you prorate the numbers that he had, they were a lot better than his rookie season. Like, he, mm-hmm. his goals... He was point his, per game. Yeah, he was point per game. And, and so, he was, like, if you look at his even strength per 60 minutes, like, he, he, was, he was number one in the league by, like, a, a decent bit. So... Yeah. He's a goal machine. But the the one thing that the the advantage and like it goes back a few years, Kadri becoming what he's become makes this way different because like he can, he can not only take quality opponents, he can score, he can handle it. Like that just gives you so much more flexibility and advantage. Poor <coughs> poor Par Lindholm is going to play like seven minutes a night because. <laughs> Well, so that's another interesting conversation. I know there's an idea, like the idea would be to load those guys up. I you can't play them all twenty minutes a night. You can. I could. No, I could. I'm not. No, I don't think they will. I think I can see a world where it's not going to look that different from last year. Like be a little bit more. A little bit like Bozak played 15 minutes. Maybe Kadri plays 16, whatever, which is basically what he played last year. Maybe Matthews and Tavares both play 17 to 19. And then Parlin Tom gets the rest. If he can play. I think Matthews and Tavares are both going to want their 18, 19. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then if Kadri gets 16, 17, what does that leave left? Eight minutes. Which is about right. Which is and basically what Dom Moore played. Some of that's penalty killing. and Yeah. yeah. So Yes, you're right. That's not that much different. It's not going to be that. But maybe if you're trailing in a game, you play those lines a lot more. Oh, that's and then, like, that's what I was thinking, like... The things you can do when you're when you need a goal are just, just going to be your fourth line, yeah. Well, and just like, I mean, if you're down a goal late, like you can just load up. Like you could even put Tavares with Matthews. Like there's so much right. stuff when you have a lot of good players that you can do. I've been thinking that too. Like I really liked the way that Matthews looked on the left wing when he played in that the World Cup with, with McDavid, Team North America. Like he was, yeah. Just like his shot is so deadly that if he's there and you're just, it's like the Stamkos effect, right? When you got him on that that dot and you're just giving him the puck, right? And like. Could, what you could do is like you could if let's say you're in desperate need of a goal, you could put Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and then you could put Kadri, Mart. Like there's just so much that you right. can do when you have so much talent. Right, right. And even the power play stuff. Like I think the power play stuff is going to be fascinating to see what they do. I would think they'll blow up what they had and try something different. I don't know. It sounded like I, if I recollect properly, it sounded like Babcock was saying that Tavares can play JVR spot. And that maybe that's what I thought initially, and then I started to rethink. Well, that. I was like, uh, well, with the Islanders, that's not where he played. He played where Marner plays. He was like the right but flank can, guy. That, but he can play around the net, and you can have that same sort of thing, right? I don't know. Maybe. He's really good in tight on the net. Yeah, like 
I think sometimes people think that that net front guy doesn't have to have a lot of skill, but you look at the teams that do put someone with skill and hands there, like Wayne Simmons in Philly, and now JVR is there too. Like dude, Philly's going to have really good power plays with their net front guys. Mm-hmm. It pays to have a guy with good hands at the front of the net. And if you have enough good puck distributors in the other positions, maybe you don't necessarily worry so much about having such a skilled player just sitting there at the front of the net. Yeah. It's just going to make them really hard to defend. Yes. Like, I will... I bet I I wrote after the first game last year that they would lead the league in goals, or maybe it looked like they should lead the league in goals next year. Yeah, if, that's one of those things that's hard to predict because it's very like shooting well, they percentage were, impacted. They were second in even strength goals last year, and that was with Matthews missing twenty games. Yeah. So now you add Tavares, it's like a crazy upgrade. Like you're just upgrading Tavares, like you pointed out. It's just upgrading Tavares with well, Bozak with Tavares. A full season with Dermot, I think, on the back end, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, Justin Hall, is he going to make the team? I mean, that, w- that would be give you a more offensive look on the back end, and mm-hmm. then maybe they generate, they help them generate offense as well. At even well, in their, in their fourth line, like they had a skilled yes. fourth line for half yeah. the year. Now you're going to have a skilled fourth line for a full year. Right. Like if your third line, if your fourth line is Ennis, uh, Lindholm, Kapanen, that's a like that's a pretty good fourth right. line. Right. Fast. It's like in terms of how much skill they have well, and ability given, to generate offense, it's better than what the Leafs have had. Well, last year they started their fourth line to start was Martin, Fair, and Brown. That is not as fast. And then we had, we had some goat action. We've had Ben Smith. The goat is back. The fourth line I remember writing in December last year was a big problem. I think it was into January. Yeah. But it could, I mean, it could be a big problem again. We don't know. Well, we don't know if Lindholm can play. Like, that's the other thing, like. I know. Your story said that he's from the farm. (laughs) He is from the farm. He actually sounds a lot like his story in very basic terms. He's not a Hall of Famer, but his story sounds a little like Patrick Marlowe in that he comes from a really small place. He's like a very quiet guy, Um, but obviously he's not Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, it's like half of Sweden, though. Half the Swedes are from small places. This is a really small place. Yeah, but it's it's next to Celestia or whatever. Yeah, good pronunciation. Uh, anything else about the lineup you want to talk to or talk about? No. What's, is there something that's next? Yeah, I add Lou. I okay. don't know why I add Lou. Just because I think he's like he's become like an interesting figure in this whole thing. It did end up be, being basically Dubis kind of over, and and obviously the team has something to do with it. But Dubis kind of wins this battle with Lou, and now Lou is going to rebuild the Islanders. The Islanders are going to be bad. What did they so? Help me make sense of why they did what they did after. Like, if you're Tavares and you see that, you'd be like, oh, jeez, I made the right choice. If you didn't already think that, which was obvious. I think he's thinking, man, I could have played with Valtteri Filpula. Leo for four years. Well, they give that Ross Johnston guy four years, too. And then they brought back Matt Martin, who will get to play again, presumably. I are going to be bad. Yeah. I feel bad for their fans. Like, they don't... No fan base deserves something that's, like, a big... It's like the Sens, too. It's like, man. That's worse. It's just brutal. I don't know how you even, like, stay a fan in those situations. I remember, so I remember like, getting into the Canucks when I was young because that run in 94 and being like, oh, this is interesting. And I started paying closer attention to the Canucks. Before that, I didn't care. And then they were just, like... Mike Keenan was the coach, and they were trading all the players that were good, and they were doing... Like, that was when the Canucks, the mid to late 90s, that was when they got the Sedins, because they were so bad. And everyone hated the owner. It was from Seattle. It was John McCaw, this, like, billionaire guy that everyone hated. And, like, um, Keenan was the GM, too, I think. 
And he was trading Linden for like it was just like it was so bad. I respect those fans who like keep and, watching through everything. So like so I was just my dad's always been a diehard Cucks fan, was my whole life. And I and I was always like the eighties they were so bad. I was like, why would you cheer for this? They went on that run in 94. It's like, oh, this is cool. They went to the final. They almost won the cup. The whole the thing I realized is that the whole like province and city gets like all excited about it. I was like, oh, that'd be cool if that happened again. So I started following them really closely in the late 90s. And then they were just garbage. And they were doing the stupidest things. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the foreign ownership and stuff was happening with the Grizzlies. It was a disaster. And I was like, why would anyone, why are we cheering for this? Like, this is just, anyway, it was and that that I go back to like whatever that was ninety six or ninety seven I was in high school, but it it allows me to I can kind of sympathize with fans that go through and then that's when I started covering the Leafs it was the same thing it's just like the incompetence from ownership from management coaching the bad players they had mm-hmm. and so I came into it being like I don't uh, I don't hopefully in some sense the media is like a voice for the fans and that we can like call out when they're doing stuff like that and there's a lot of teams around the NHL that are just you know if you and I were covering the Oilers or the Habs or the Senators or the Canucks or the Islanders we would be it would be a lot different podcast than this one was well it would be like the podcast was a few years ago yeah that's what's so funny is that now like I get called names all the time about how we just like love the Leafs and whatever and it's just like we We're, do not. <laughs> we are just no. reporting what's happening. No, yeah. if they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. Right. And Tavares is interesting to us, like kind of like on a like hockey. We're hockey nerds, right? Like that's what we do for a living. It's interesting. It's like you, all right? They already had a good team, and then you just add this like other like one of the best ten or fifteen players in the league mm-hmm. at a position they were already strong. Here's another great player. What is this going to mean? And for us, that's, that's a really interesting story that we get to tell this season. Well, and it's you know what the funny thing is, like it just has felt like since Shanahan has come on that every big thing basically except for direct on the ice like tangible like playoff success every big thing has worked in their favor like they just they get the number one pick they get Babcock they get Tavares like it always just felt like it was just gonna happen for them yeah that's why like if the on ice stuff starts to come too and they keep making smart decisions then it'll be it's weird for as long as you and I have covered the team, it's weird watching them make so many smart decisions in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. It just hasn't, like, the on-ice part hasn't come yet, so... But... It feels like it will. It will. It feels a lot like... It doesn't the, always, though. It I mean, feels like the Red Sox. It feels like or San Jose, or... Yeah, but they didn't have this. Well, no. at least still have that big hole on the back end. I think they need to fix... I don't gonna, know if it's as do you, th- do you think they're going to change the D? Do you think they're going to? Do you think they're going to trade? Some, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade a Hainsy or a Zaitsev or a Carrick and like try and bring in a different right shot D. Before that be the worst before thing. the season starts. The, the other the, the other thing is like you don't have to do it before. Like even if you don't do it when the season starts, you can upgrade during the season. Right. It's just hard. Like it's hard. I haven't looked at the UFAs for next year, but like maybe you find a guy. There's not a lot. Yeah. Or what? Or or what? You know, you and I have talked about before. Like maybe Dubis kind of looks at it like Vegas did, and, and find undervalued players. Yeah. Like it's it, it, it's interesting. Like looking at other sports, and what good organizations have done is they have found stars before they were stars. Yeah. So like I use the basketball analogy. Like Houston found James Harden before he was like James Harden. Well, San Antonio found Kawhi Leonard before he was Kawhi Leonard. Is that the guy that might come to the Raptors? 
Yeah, that's that would be nice, but probably not. But yeah, that sounds, sounds like it's real. Like the betting, nah, the betting market. Zach like Lowe this. has talked about it, so anyway, it would be it, fascinating. It sounded, if they did. It sounded like Masai is working on that. I don't follow basketball that closely, but but basically, so Kawhi Leonard is now like, or he was before he got hurt, like a undisputed top five, top three player. But when San Antonio traded for him, he was like, I think it was right around the draft. He was not a prospect like well, who people JVR thought. JVR trade's was, a good example of that. Yeah, but he was a second overall pick. Yeah. Kawhi was like a mid-first round guy. Okay. And, uh, and then Jake became, Gardner. Jake Gardner, they traded for him, and he wasn't anything really. And Good trade. Right. That's yeah. the kind of trade you got to make. So that goes the same thing I was talking about with like the value. Like You don't want to subtract. But you want to trade for equal or better value. Mm-hmm. And so why is it better to trade for guys that haven't hit their hit their no because people don't know what they are that's the point and you get them for cheaper yeah so that's why like they i don't know i mean like maybe they could move gardner for a right shot d who's 22 who other teams are like i'm not really quite sure what he dumba or like whatever i I don't know who like some young d that they're not quite sure what he is but the leafs feel like he's going to be something and then he's something right and he's something for a younger and cheaper than gardner will be Good point. I don't want to trade Jake Gardner, but it's just that's the kind of thought process they need to go through. They need to decide if they're extending him or trading him. I think. Sorry, I shouldn't have went back there again. That's it. We could do a whole other podcast about that. Uh, all right, so we're going to come back next week and talk. Should we? Can we say what we're going to talk about? Well, or we can take questions from people. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's do it. Let's just talk about what. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about your. You've written about two of them so far. The second contracts for Martyr, Matthews Neander. You've written about Neander and Matthews. Marner, to me, is like the craziest one. Maybe I should hurry up and write about it then. Yeah, so, but anyway, we'll talk about that next week. And we're trying, I don't know if I should say this either, but we're trying to do some sort of live event. It's going to happen. Yeah, in September, we're going to do a live event where people could come and we'll record the podcast and you can yell in the background and you'll be on it. Um, And we can probably take questions, like live questions. It's going to be at a bar and you can have beers with us after and... So we want to. We'd like to meet the people that really support the podcast because it's, it's been, it's been kind of crazy how it's gotten popular because we did it for the first like four years and I don't think anyone was listening. <laughs> All right. Well, so we'll be back next week. Um, podcast brought to you by Bab Socks. Subscribe to the Athletic. If you send me a message on Twitter, I will give you thirty five percent off. It is a killer deal. We are not going to stop writing. We're going to have Leafs content all summer. Jonas is not taking any more vacations. Actually, I have one other. No, you can take one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right, so we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.